0: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support and inspiration they can use right now.
1: Here is your host,
0: Michelle Beck.
1: Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, almost 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I am the program's assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me at my blog or on social media at I Never Liked Pink. So today I am talking to a woman who really has donated her time and energy to the Ayers Foundation. She's actually one of the co-founders or founding members and they their tagline is Alliance in Reproductive Surgery such an important topic. And I apologize. I just had like a a moment there because I'm somewhat overwhelmed by what this organization does. So my guest today, Morgan Hare, she's the co-founder of Airs, and she's also the president of Hylico, whose goal is to create skincare products, which really are scientifically proven to treat the effects of aging on skin, which don't we all need? And especially for me going through menopause or after menopause. So Morgan, welcome. Thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you for inviting me to be here. It's my pleasure.
1: Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background, and um, before we get into Ayers Foundation and and just kind of what drives you and gets you out of bed every day?
2: That's a that's a tough question. Lots of things <laughs> about me to get out of bed every day, including the clock that says it's time. Yeah, obviously to get up, but. Um, I started out doing research at Harvard Medical School and decided one day that I wasn't going to be Madame Curie, the next generation, and I wanted to do something different with my life and really got into marketing and marketed medical equipment, skincare, Tupperware, um, and a variety of different sort of products. And it's really all about understanding the consumer because at the end of the day, we're all consumers. So marketing seemed to, even though I didn't know what marketing was at the time, it seemed to really be my calling of what I wanted to do in terms of my career.
1: Well, you've obviously risen from, you know, the, the low parts and have gotten really high up there in your career. And I have to say, my mother is a Tupperware manager and she's she sold for almost 40 years now. So uh, I, I have an affinity for that.
2: <laughs> I love Tupperware. I mean,
1: it's Really, and if you're worried about the environment, use Tupperware. It, it's an American institution, but <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's get to our topic today. Can you tell us how and when actually the airs um, airs came about?
2: Okay, so um, Janet Denlinger and I've been friends for 48 years, and we're also business partners and everybody's life has ups and downs, you know, no one's without trauma in their life somehow, but we really wanted to do something to give back. And we said, what we wanted to do is give a voice to something that had no voice, which isn't so easy to find. So Dr. Rod Rourke, who's a well-known plastic surgeon I, and a friend, I wrote to him and said, what's something that has no voice that's related to women's issues? And he wrote back to me and said that up to 70% of women who have mastectomies either don't know about their reconstruction options, or they can't make their co-pays, or they don't have insurance to pay for it. We were really surprised by this because everyone we know, first of all, didn't talk much about it. I mean, they might have talked about the fact they had breast cancer and were going to get reconstruction, but they never talked about how paying for it was a problem for them. And if it was, they never mentioned it. But all of a sudden, when we started to talk to women who are part of the underserved population, we realized it was a huge problem. And that really sort of led us to start the Alliance and Reconstructive Surgery, or AIRS Foundation, so that we could really help women who needed to know about what their options were, educating them, and then helping to pay for their surgery.
1: Well, I so appreciate that. And Also, I I do want to point out the fact that neither you nor Janet nor Rod, because all possible are, have gone through breast cancer. This is something that you really, you found and you just decided that I want to help give back because obviously you've known people who've gone through it, but normally foundations like yours are founded by people who've actually experienced it. Whereas the three of you have come together just because you knew it needed to be done.
2: again, it was really giving a voice to something that had no voice. You know, no one was, it was pretty quiet when we started, started talking about this 10 years ago. And when you went out to do research online, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. And even women, there was one woman I talked to who was head of IT for Walmart. And she had breast cancer and you'd think, okay, so she's really in tune with the internet. But no one talked to her about reconstructive surgery until she met with the person who's the oncologist and asked her, what are you doing about reconstructive surgery? And she was like a deer in headlights. She said, what are you talking about?
1: Right. I don't, I don't know what, what you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And right. yeah, I'm sure there's been a lot of changes. Well, especially with, you know, the blow up of social media with different things that are talked about. But even right. 10 years ago, it was a very different story.
2: Well, it's, it's a very different story, but there's still some issues like for us, one of the things we're trying to do is reach the people who need our help. Mm -hmm. Because they're part of the underserved population, um, and they don't necessarily look at social media. They don't look at much of what's in the press, they do a little, maybe they do a little bit of research online. But they're the ones we're trying to reach to say we want to help you. But the other thing we're trying to do is help the public understand why this is a big issue. When we first started, and in some cases, it's still the issue we hear from women. Oh, they're cured. They should be happy. And sort of saying, it's not just about being cured. There's a whole mental health aspect to the fact that you've had your breasts, and this is the harshest word I could use, amputated. Mm -hmm. You know, you've lost a part of your body and you've lost a part of your self-esteem. And it's really helped it's really about helping women feel good about themselves. And it's one of the things that drew us to this is that we all want to feel good about ourselves. It's really when you ask about what makes you get out of bed every day, it's really how I feel about myself. So this is really a very important issue. And then when people say, oh, they have insurance, well, maybe they do, but they're earning thirty thousand dollars a year, and do I
1: feed my family, or pay my rent, or do I have reconstructive surgery? Yeah. How do you make those choices? And yeah. you know, you say food and rent is more important than breasts, but as a mental health issue, I don't know. I have had a I've had the full amputation and reconstruction, and also the full hysterectomy for five years ago, and still I struggle with it because it it changes you as a person you know, and thankfully I'm, you know, no evidence of disease, but that, that doesn't give me my original breast back or my, my ovaries or my uterus. It's, I've had a lot of things taken from me because of cancer.
2: And and a lot of women have, I mean, I met a lovely 25 year old who has the BRCA gene. Mm. And I I asked her the question about what she was going to do, you know, knowing that she has a big chance of getting breast cancer. And she's not married, she wants to really wait until she gets married and potentially have a child. And then they're also talking to her because she has the BRCA gene that at some point she needs to have a hysterectomy because her mother had breast cancer and ovarian cancer. These are big decisions people are making and they're not easy. And that's why I think you're right when you talk about it being a mental health issue, it is.
1: Now it seems like with the three of you coming together with your marketing and creative background, and Dr. Janet Denlinger, she—I looked at her her bio, and she's a, a biotechnology and chemist and research, and right. um, she has that the medical like drive and search. And then Dr. Rod Rorick, well, world-renowned plastic surgeon, so. I, it's like you guys are all different points of the triangle making this work. So how did you decide what the, the mission of errors would be if you had to put it in a, a sentence or two?
2: Okay, well, the mission is to be a resort and support system for women who have had a mastectomy as a result of breast cancer or a genetic mutation, including the BRCA gene, educating them about their reconstruction options and ultimately assisting them with the cost of reconstructive surgery and nipple tattooing, because we also pay for that
1: oh so important i i was able to get mine done about a year and a half i guess after my reconstruction because it takes a long right. time to heal but i really felt like that was that allowed me to kind of shut the door on my my treatment
2: right it's it's very important everything that you do that helps you make feel better is so
1: important now how do you you mentioned how do you find and reach out to the individuals who are the, the biggest population for your help if they're not on social media because they're working two jobs or they're in, you know, how do you, what, how do you find them?
2: They mostly find us to be honest. So okay. you know, the American cancer society refers patients to us um, as do a lot of nurse navigators. Cause we reach out to all of them to let them know what we're doing. Social workers. We reach out to them. Um, the Coleman foundation, so, and then doctors who are looking for help for their patients who can't afford the surgery. So we get a lot of referrals and then if we've helped one woman, then they'll refer somebody else to us. Or because of you know conversations we're having this morning, someone will hear about it and say, oh, I have a friend who needs help. So we really try to talk to as many people as we can so that they know about us and they can either refer a patient or a
1: friend or whomever. I love that, and so you started this about ten years ago. How has it grown and changed over time? Well, it's interesting having I've
2: been on boards before, but have never started a foundation. And really, the first thing you have to do is get your
1: five hundred one three c status, and that, that is not easy. To... I've I've worked on that for my old son's preschool, but uh, <laughs> my son's old preschool that's a that's a lot of paperwork
2: it's a lot of paperwork. And, you know, the lawyer, because we had to work with the lawyer, obviously, and he said, this may take two or three years. So don't be surprised because the government is very slow. And at that point, people were really complaining about the fact they applied to be, you know, for the 5013 status, and they weren't getting it. It must have been the person who reviewed ours was a breast cancer survivor, because, Within nine months, we had our approval, which the lawyer told us was like a record of anybody getting it so quickly. That means it was meant to be. Obviously, um, that's the case. So once we did that, um, we actually hired a PR agency. And everyone said to us, like, how could, you have no money. And we're self-funded in the beginning between the three of us and skin Skincare, we funded everything we were doing personally. And um, we said, though, but how are we going to get out the word? How are we going to help people understand this is an issue? And how are we going to find women who need our help unless we find a way to get the word out about what we're doing? So we did. We hired a PR agency to help us get the word out. And then we started doing social media on Facebook and Instagram and then reaching out to a number of organizations and going to meetings of nurse navigators and social workers to let them know we're here. Um, so that's really sort of what we did in the beginning to get the word out and still pretty much do the same things today.
1: Yeah side note the social workers and the nurse navigators are angels in disguise. that's <laughs> oh all I've goodness. got to say <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're they they're, they're wonderful you know they really try to help as much as they can because a lot of times, people just don't know where to go they don't know where to go to get help. And there's a lot of chatter, but there's not a lot of people who actually do what we
1: do. 100%. And um, so we talked earlier about the, how, yes, some people can still have insurance, but not, you know, if they're making $30,000 a year, their $5,000 out of pocket just doesn't work. Now yeah. our what about because it was my understanding that reconstruction is generally covered. Are there situations like public insurance where if someone is on like a state sponsored insurance that it's not covered or it's more so that they don't have insurance or the copays or things like that? It's actually
2: both. Okay. And what Medicare or Medicaid will pay for because Let's start with insurance. So there was an insurance act of 1998 that said that insurance companies had to pay for reconstructive surgeries, and they also had to pay for which I'm not sure everybody's aware of, that if you had it in one breast and you wanted to equalize your breasts, when you had reconstruction, they had to work on both breasts. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the public really understands that because a lot of doctors don't, but they really obligated to do that. So if you have... Insurance, that's one thing. And then it depends on your copay. So if your copay is $5,000 and it could be more or less, you have, you know, that's the consideration of what you pay for first. For, and then also how you do your surgeries. So if you have your mastectomy at the beginning of the year and then your reconstruction sometime during that year, you've probably met your copay. But if you have your reconstruction surgery, I mean, if you have your um, mastectomy in November and
1: then you're getting reconstruction the next year, your copay starts all over again. That actually happened with me. My first go round, I was diagnosed in early December. I had all of the tests, the MRIs, the the biopsies. I hit my $5,000 maximum. The year started over again and I had my lumpectomy in February. So literally within three months, I was out $10,000. Right. And I'm a, you know, middle-class privileged white woman who had good insurance. And we still had to borrow money from family because $10,000 was not laying around.
2: No, for most people, it's not. Um, the other issue is then there are some health insurance programs that come from religious organizations and they don't necessarily pay for reconstructive surgery. Um, it's They're not bound
1: by that law? No, they're not.
2: And then the other thing is it's not bound by the law is that Medicare and Medicare will pay for it but Medicaid depending on the state you live on in, may or may not pay for it. And that's very state dependent. So, you know, we need to then sort of sort of try to sort through what state are you in and then does Medicaid pick it up in your state because they're not obligated to pay for it. And then some Medicaid programs are attached to a hospital. We had one woman whose Medicaid was attached to Parkland Hospital, but she wanted a doctor at Presbyterian. (laughs) And if she had the doctor at Presbyterian, the surgeon was going to be $100,000. And obviously, we can't afford that. Uh, No, that's going to cover a
1: lot of patients, not just one. (laughs) A
2: lot of patients. So we said to her, you got to go back to Parkland. And the doctors there are excellent. So we got her to a doctor at Parkland and we were able to you know, sort of meet her co-payers, you know, pay for whatever. And she got her surgery at Parkland and the surgery was beautiful and she was really happy afterwards. So there's all sorts of glitches in the system of when insurance pays and in, when it doesn't. And then the first woman we helped was uh, a nursing student, interestingly enough, and she was working her way through nursing school by modeling swimsuits. Oh, gosh. And the insurance company said, well, she's doing this because it's not because of her breast cancer. It's because of her modeling career. But she was doing this because she was a nursing student. Anyway, we ended up paying for her reconstructive surgery.
1: Uh, insurance <laughs> companies, it's, that's a whole separate topic about, I feel like sometimes they're driving what our care can be. And it's, it's financial on their end. And it's so frustrating.
2: And then there are doctors who won't take Medicaid. So if you, if it's a reconstruction surgeon and he doesn't take Medicaid, uh, I'll be quick about this story, but it was a 21 year old girl who had breast cancer and her, the breast surgeon was willing to do her mastectomy and take Medicaid, but the two plastic surgeons he worked with wouldn't. So we happened to know a plastic surgeon in that town and we called him and he said, no price. I'll do this for free. They got Um, everything done and took care of everything at no cost. So there's some doctors out. I mean, she was 21 years old.
1: Yeah, there are, there are still good humans out there and we're definitely going to talk about the physicians in your program as well. Um, We do need to take a quick break. So listeners, please stay with us. If you or a loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs. You can also make a donation there on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to help us ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We will be back in a minute. My care crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, Manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Morgan Hare, founding member of the AIRS Alliance and Reconstructive Surgery Foundation. I want to make sure I get that right. And we are talking about the assistance they provide for those who cannot afford the reconstructive surgery and how important it is and the disparities that are really out there. Now, Morgan, before break, we were talking about insurance companies. Do you know of anything that might be on the horizon um, legally to get more coverage for these patients or are we just kind of stuck where we're at?
2: We're sort of stuck where we're at. I mean, one of the thing that's improved is that a woman's knowledge about her breasts, because if you have dense breasts and you have a mammogram, which you know everybody should get the mammogram that they hide tumors. So you really need to be aware if you have dense breasts or don't have dense breasts. And if you do that at the time you have your, um, testing, you need to ask them to do an ultrasound or some other something else besides, Mammography to really ensure that there's no tumor lurking. I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who were missed, and it wasn't until they found a lump that something that they found something. So the biggest change is really helping women identify that they have dense breasts and what they do about it. Other than that, you know, healthcare is a huge issue, and I won't even go into all the problems <laughs> with healthcare at this moment. But there's a lot.
1: There definitely is. So, if there is someone out there who would like to apply for assistance from AIRS, how do they go about doing that?
2: So they would go to our website, airsfoundation.org, and they would apply for a grant. And the information they need to have when, they're about, when they want to apply for a grant is they have to either send us something that shows that they actually have a breast cancer diagnosis, or they have a genetic mutation, and that they're going to need to have a mastectomy and reconstructive surgery they also need to show us their income because we really want to make sure we're helping underserved population women who really need our help and you know if you have good insurance and you're making a substantial income you don't really need us to help Um, so we like to see that and then um, besides that then it's really sort of some statement that says why you want our help and what it means to you so it's it's pretty simple If somebody doesn't have a computer, they can call an 800 number and it's on our website as well. And someone will take that information for them and help them upload the information that's needed. Because we understand that in this day and age, as much as we think everybody has a computer and they're computer literate, they're not.
1: No, that is very true, especially in the underserved communities, the families, the women who are working two jobs and taking care of their kids. And it's it's. A different life that not all of us are familiar with, but it's out there and those people need our help.
2: Or you live in a place where you don't even have good cell service. There was some woman who drove 30 miles into town to be able to use her computer.
1: And the- that, that is mind boggling to me, but I'm so glad that you're out there too. <laughs> and, and that they find you because it's so important no matter where you live or, or your internet access that you can get this important surgery.
2: It's, it's, it's the thing that I've learned in the last 10 years has just been mind boggling of everything I didn't know about, just everything that's related to this and people's lifestyles and what goes on in their lives. I mean,
1: just is amazing. So once someone gets applies and then they get approved, what is the process and how do you go about assisting them and moving forward?
2: So once somebody applies, we review their application and, um, We have our patient, our director of patient services, and then she'll work with the doctors to get the cost down, depending upon how much they want for the surgeries. And she'll also work with the nurse navigators, the nurses in the office to really sort of talk through this. So once they're approved, it's just a matter of where they are in the system. A lot of times people will apply for a grant when they're just before they've had their mastectomy, and they're not even sure when they're going to get there reconstructive surgery. So we might put them on hold just because they're not ready for their surgery. And we pay the doctors directly. So the funding goes directly to the doctor. So when they're ready to do the surgery, that's when we approve and send out the funding to them. Um, So it's it's pretty simple. If you have all the information and you're ready, I mean, there've been times when we've approved somebody because their surgery is the next week. We don't like to do that. Right. We really like to have a little bit more time so we can sort of work with the surgeons and the hospitals and everybody to really
1: get the cost in line with, you know, paying for the reconstructive surgery. So if you are paying the physicians and the doctors directly for their services, um, do you cover any outside costs other than the medical necessity part?
2: No, we really only pay for two things, reconstructive surgery or nipple tattooing because nipple tattooing is an important step in the finishing up the reconstructive process. So we pay for those two things. But there's a lot of resources out there that will pay for other services. And on our website, if you can sort of go there and um, click under education and resources, and you'll find a lot of resources where they'll pay for transportation, they'll pay for hotels, and a lot of other things that we don't pay for.
1: Well, and I I saw on your website, all those different resources, which is fabulous because that is all a part of it, especially if someone is coming in from out of town or they just don't have a family members or caregivers to help them. They need some other things. So I I applaud you for having that assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do you offer any resources for um, women who choose to stay flat, maybe in terms of garments or things like that, or just directing them to resources.
2: You just direct them to resources. I mean, that's obviously a choice that you make. Not everyone mm-hmm. wants reconstructive surgery. And if they don't, that's fine. I mean, it's what makes you feel comfortable and you're happiest. with. Definitely. That. I don't no I know how to turn off my cell phone. I don't know how to turn yeah, off. It uh, happens.
1: It happens. No worries. People understand that, you know, podcasts are live and life happens. Um, so when you talk about reconstruction, not everyone is super familiar with all of the types that are available. Can right. you talk about that a little bit for us? Well, first of I'd like to talk
2: about is a mastectomy because there's different type of mastectomies, yes. and depending upon the mastectomy you have will depend on your reconstructive surgery and also your treatment. Um, so there's a simple mastectomy where they just remove your breast. Um, sometimes there's also just a lumpectomy when they're just removing a lump, um, there's skin and nipple sparing mastectomies, um, there's radical mastectomies. So if somebody, you know, is in your lymph nodes and they need to not only take your breasts, but they need to also take some lymph nodes, there's that type of surgery. And then there's a radical mastectomy where they're removing both breasts and lymph nodes. So it really depends on what your type of cancer is and then sort of what they're going to do in terms of your mastectomy. And that's a broad topic.
1: Now, Um, if someone is having a lumpectomy and needs some kind of plastic reconstruction, do you also work with that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because
2: it's still an important part of symmetry, Mm -hmm. of having your breasts look, the, the same and feeling good about that. And, you know, how your bra fits afterwards, or if you don't want to wear a bra, you know, sort of what you look like when you put your clothes on, I mean, all these things are important parts. So there's really three types which are divided up into three different categories. There's something that's called one and done. So for some people who are having a simple mastectomy, they can do reconstructive surgery at that point. And that's probably new in the last five years, 10 years maybe at most, where they've been doing that kind of reconstructive surgery. Doesn't work for everybody and it has to be somebody who's had a simple mastectomy and has enough tissue that they don't need to put in expanders and can just go ahead and put implants in.
1: And I would assume those are for more women who are more small breasted because in terms of stretching the skin and there's a lot that goes into that. Is that correct or am I wrong?
2: I don't know that answer. To okay. That. You know what? I'll find out because um, I haven't had anybody bring up that subject. I just think mm-hmm. that if you have, it depends, I guess, how much tissue you have and sure. like how much skin you have, what they can do. Um, so then there's the one where they put in expanders. And the expanders are a way of expanding your skin so that they can then go ahead and put in implants. So you'd go to the doctor every so often, they would fill them up with saline and fluid so that they actually expand. And when they get to the right size of whatever you've agreed upon with your plastic surgeon about how big or small you wanna be, then at that point, they most likely will do implants. Um, Then there's the implant with using part of your own body. And sort of that's another choice because some women want it to be more natural. So they want to use parts of their own body, you know, fat or whatever else to make the breast, the shape it is. And then there's also just using autologous skin. And that's really where you get into all sorts of flaps and using your own body tissue and your own fat to create your breasts. That's a much more complicated surgery and, it, it just depends on, you know, if you had radiation, if you not have radiation, did they put in expanders or implants before you had your radiation to try and preserve some of the tissue? So when they actually do reconstructive surgery, it's not as difficult because as much as we'd like to think radiation just kills the tumor, it also affects the muscle in the breast area. So again, it just really depends on where you are in your What kind of mastectomy you had, what kind of treatment you've had, and then how are they going to rebuild your breasts? So again, it's really those types of
1: reconstructive surgery. Now, you may have said this earlier and I missed it, but do most individuals find you pre or post mastectomy or is it just kind of across the board?
2: Combination of both. You know, I think that I'm going to guess that the person who has been told up front, you know, you're going to get a, you're going to, you need a mastectomy or a lumpectomy and you want to have reconstructive surgery. And it really depends where you are. If you're part of a major medical center, you're going to have a team around you that's breast surgeon, plastic surgeon, pharmacist, oncologist, radiation oncologist, you'll have a big team and they'll take you through everything. Mm -hmm. But if you live in a rural area, first of all, finding a doctor who's a, a good surgeon and doing mastectomies and you really want somebody who's done many of them and not, you know, this is their first out of the box doing them because that can make a big difference to a woman and sort of what her results are going to be. So you really want to make sure the person has done them and then finding a plastic surgeon. And, you know, if you're living in, I'm going to make this up because it's one woman who works with us. She lives in Gainesville, Texas, which is up on the border of Oklahoma. So when she first went to see a surgeon, there was no one up in her area who was really doing reconstructive surgery at all. So she got down to UT Southwestern. So she made the hour and a half drive to go to a medical center where she would learn about everything. But if you're not near that, there might not be anybody who really sort of talks to you about the whole experience, I guess I would say.
1: So they, they go in, they're like, you need to have either your lumpectomy or your mastectomy and then, okay, that's it. And goodbye. And don't really talk to you about options. So. Yeah. I mean, that
2: happens. And sometimes, and then, you know, they might be sent to an oncologist or to a radiation oncologist, but they might not want to talk to you even about reconstructive surgery because they think you can't afford it.
1: Ugh. I don't even I don't even know what to say to that.
2: <laughs> no, but I mean people make decisions. There's one plastic surgeon we work with, and I said to him, How do you make the choice of a woman who's 20, 50, or 80 who wants reconstructive surgery? And he said, There is no choice. He said, Anyone who wants reconstructive surgery should have it. So I said, Well, what about a woman who's 80 years old and wants reconstructive surgery? And he said, Look. I can't make the decision if the 80 year old is going to live another 20 years or not, but if she wants it, she should have it. And for the 50 year old, I can't make that decision either. I mean, she could die in five years, but he said, I don't make those predictions. He said, what I do is say, if somebody wants it, it should be available to them truly. And, uh, you know, I thought it was such a good answer because we worry as we get older that people aren't going to treat us.
1: Definitely. So definitely applause to that uh physician. Now, if, if someone is is in the process and they've applied and they, you know, you're getting the they know they're gonna get the the financial assistance from right. you. Do you also have any kind of emotional support for the patients who are coming through?
2: We do. We have an advocacy program and our advocates are really terrific. Most of them are breast cancer survivors. You'd be surprised at how many of these women don't have support systems and they have no one to talk to. So our advocates don't help you make any medical decisions. That's what they're not there for. But because they've been there, they can really talk the talk. They are totally understanding of what you're going through and are there to be a support system. And that's so important for everybody to not feel I'm alone and I'm going through this and whatever emotions I'm having about it, that I'm alone. So it's really helpful to have someone to talk to who's been there and can say, Yes, I know what you're talking about. I've been there, and I was talking to a friend last night who's had to give up her job because of the fact that she's having a radical mastectomy. And she was—I was asking her about mental health and what she was going through, and she said, "I try not to go through that deep hole." Mm-hmm. She said, "I really try to stay away from it because if I do." it's, she said, it's a slippery slope. I get really depressed. And then I say, do I really want to go through all this? And she said, I have to sort of say to myself, no, you know, don't go there. So having somebody to talk to who's been through it is so
1: important. And that's, so our advocates are just terrific. That it is very important because even people who have wonderful support systems, whether it's a partner or family or friends, if They someone hasn't been through it. They don't they don't get certain aspects of it. So that's what we talk about at Breast Friends is we get it because we've been there. And it's so critical.
2: Well, I get a lot of people who say to me, you know, it's wonderful what you're doing, but you're not a part of our club.
1: Oh, it doesn't matter. You've been around this for 10 years. You are an honor, you you know, you're actually, you have the best membership because you're honorary members because you're helping, but you didn't have to go through it.
2: (laughs) I know, but I still get that pushback sometimes from people who say you're not a member of the club and it's like, okay, I'm not that I want to help you.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I, you know, I, yeah, I I fully nominate you to be members of the club.
2: (laughs) Thank you. That's, that's, that's helpful. And, um, Yeah. So it's funny. So, but it is what it is. So it is appreciate that. And you know, our our goal is just to help as many women as we can. So,
1: well, you're obviously doing that and have been doing it for 10 years. Listeners, we do have more to talk about. So stay with us after we come back. If you would like to be my guest or nominate yourself to send in your warrior story, or would just like to chat, you can email me at at breastfriends.org. We'll be back in a minute. Stay with us
0: follow us on twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
1: my care crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable they offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients caregivers and their loved ones the mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day to day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more.
0: You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon, or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network.
1: Voice America programs
2: are now available on your favorite connected device
0: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle michellebeck.com at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. I'm Michelle Ge- Michelle Beck, and my guest is Morgan Hare, founding member of Ayers Alliance in Reconstructive Surgery. And we have been talking about the, all the wonderful things the foundation does for supporting those who've gone through and need financial assistance with reconstruction. But I also want to talk briefly about um, Morgan, your company, Eric Lea, uh, which you have our members, our partners with uh, Janet and you, one of the other founding members of Ayers. And I saw on your website under the patient education program that you have a section on skincare. And, if, if you haven't gone through cancer, you're like, well, yes, skin care is important, but especially for those who are going through it, because different cancer treatments really can be devastating, devastating to our skin. Can you tell us, well, first of all, why and how you founded Aeroclea and why it's become so important to you for heirs as well?
2: Um, really, we founded it because Jan and I were getting, we had, we had talked about doing our own skin care brand forever because I've been in the beauty business for a long time and... Finally, we said, you know, we're getting old and if we don't do this now, we're never gonna do it. So we just decided that, okay, now is our chance to do it. And um, Janet is the world's expert on hyaluronic acid. Um, And she and her husband who did a lot of research in hyaluronic acid or hyaluronin as she calls it, had developed some drugs, medical devices that were used. Like one was used in eye surgery, and the other, something called Synvisc, which more people might know about, gets injected into knee joints to help people who have arthritis or whatever. So they had done a lot of work and they also were the ones who really brought hyaluronic acid to the skincare industry.
1: Oh, so and now it's everywhere. So thank you for that, Janet. Everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it is everywhere. It's
2: really become immensely possible because hydration is really important to your skin. And when you're going through treatment, Obviously, if you're going through chemotherapy or radiation, you get a lot of different things like your skin dries out, your face, the skin on your face gets dry, you start to lose your eyebrows and your eyelashes. And it's really important to take care of that. You'll find on your hands, for some people, their hands dry out, they get cracked hands, cracked feet. Then some people, their nails fall off. So it's really important that they have a really good product for hydrating their skin. And then if you're going through radiation, there's something called radiation dermatitis, which is really the radiation burn. And we have a wonderful product for that called HylaCare. And I will say, if anybody writes to me, I'll give it to them for free because it really does help with uh, radiation burn. So again, you know, anybody who wants to go to the Ayers Foundation website and send a message to me and if they'll send me their address, I'll send them the product for free because I know it's really, important to somebody who's going through it and is having problems with their skin.
1: And often, unfortunately, the, your radiation oncologist may not always tell you these things that are super important to do and how to treat your breasts when you're going through radiation or that, that skin. Um, and like for myself, I'm very fair and I, I did get red and um, I didn't start to, you know, blister until the very end, but it was important to have that skincare. Cause I was, I did it for seven weeks. This is a yeah. long time on your skin.
2: And, and they, well, I won't mention the name name brand, but they give you a product that's sort of like Vaseline and it's sticky. And I've heard a lot of women complain about it because their clothes gets, you know, clings to you because it clings to your product and whatever else. And with Hyaluronic that doesn't happen. It's just, it, it's the most hyaluronic acid you can put in a product before it would be too thick and you couldn't be able to use it. So and it has some squalene in it and some other ingredients that are really hydrating and soothing. And that's really what you want is something that's hydrating and soothing to use when you're going through this. Well, and what is the
1: website for the skincare company as well?
2: It's skincare.com So E-R-A-C-L-E-A skincare.com.
1: Perfect. And I want to jump back over to Ayers and you, I believe you have a network of physicians and professionals who work with you. Um, How can you tell us about that? And if someone wants to, to join, how would they do that? It's really simple. Most of the doctors who
2: are part of our network are people who we came associated with because they were helping one of the patients. And we said to them, would you be willing to be one of our preferred partners? And no one has turned us down. Everybody says, sure. They're listed on our website. We refer a lot of people to them, especially if you're in an area and you don't know who to go to because we vet the plastic surgeons. We want to make sure that they are good at what they do and it's not, and then they've done a lot of it. You know, that's really important. Again, I understand somebody has
1: to learn someplace, but. But you want to give a quality product if you're helping, you know, helping this woman get through this with the financial aid, it it needs to be done well
2: yeah so so we also vet them and then we have doctors who've heard about us and they write to us and say we'd like to be part of your program and yes we're sort of happy to have more doctors help us because there's a lot of people in areas where they just don't know who to go to so if we can sort of refer them to somebody we like to do that And it's the same thing with nipple tattooing Um, we have a lot i think we probably now have six or seven women who do and one man who do nipple tattooing and it's also the same thing. It's important to go to somebody who knows what they're doing because it's not necessarily a one-step process. For some
1: women, it could be two or three steps in terms of getting their breasts tattooed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had three appointments for mine, the initial consult, and then I had two sessions. And it's important to have that connection, but also to have a professional who really knows what they're doing because the 3 nipple tattooing is amazing as long as you know what you're doing. <laughs>
2: Then the 3d nipple tattooing, the pictures are sensational. Like you really wouldn't know that somebody.
1: If you're across anything. the room, you know, and not standing literally right next to you or even touching it, you, you don't know it's unreal.
2: Right. There is some work being done today. And I'll talk about that, about reconnecting nerves and building nipples. There are some surgeons who are doing this and there's a company who is involved in this and, the nerves won't just naturally reattach. Sure. So there's a scalpedine that they do and they put the scalpedine in and they put the two nerves on it and the nerves grow together and they've had some success in regenerating nipple sensation. So that's new.
1: That's right. Yes. I've never heard of that. That would be amazing.
2: It's new. It's at the forefront and there's some surgeons who are doing it and there's a company who's very involved in it. So I know to a lot of women, it's really important to have nipple sensation. And for most women, unfortunately, their nipples get removed when they get have a
1: mastectomy. Yes. It's so many things change, but you know, we move forward. That's all part of survivorship, which, which is not easy. You know, the cancer is gone hopefully, but then you have a whole other basket of things to deal with.
2: (laughs) Do you have
1: any stories that come to mind of, of women who've, have made an impact, um, have heirs have made an impact on?
2: I would say almost everybody we've helped, you know, we get really good notes, but if you want to hear the worst stories, I can tell you the worst stories. There was a woman who was married and had no insurance and she felt a lump and didn't do anything about it. And her father was a doctor. And, um, she finally went to her doctor father and said, I have a lump. And he said, let's get, you have to get a mammogram and whatever. And and indeed she had breast cancer. So they were able to have her have a mastectomy and then she got MRSA, Mm. which is a really bad type of infection. And she and her husband through a series of surgeries and everything else ran up a debt of a million dollars. They sold their house. They sold everything they had to sort of pay their medical bills. I mean, that's choices some people make. And finally, and she couldn't work. And finally, her husband got a job and had insurance and left her.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: I I mean, that's the worst kind of stories you hear. But we hear stories like that or a story from a young woman who is 25, had breast cancer, and her husband left her because...
1: He couldn't deal with a wife who didn't have real breasts. Well, those, those men do not deserve these fabulous women. That's all I've got to say. Um,
2: and, you know, a lot of what we hear is, you know, that they've lost their sense of self-confidence. Um, they, you know, are depressed. And then once they have reconstruction, the nicest thing some woman said to me was, before I had my reconstruction, it was every day when I looked in the mirror, I was reminded I have breast cancer. She said, after I ever read my um, reconstructive surgery, she said,
1: now I look in the mirror and just think I have beautiful breasts. Okay. That, that should be your tagline right there. I love that.
2: I, it just was so heartwarming to hear that it took something away from her where she wasn't reminded every day that she had breast cancer.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge what you've seen. been able to do for so many women. I apologize. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, no. I was even going to say for people who have genetic mutation and then they have to deal with making decisions about what they're going to do and the support we give them because they get pushback from their family to say, well, you know, but you still have a chance you won't get it. And
1: their response is, but I'd like to be alive to see my children grow up. Exactly. I mean, the, the chances, unfortunately with the BRCA mutations and the other mutations that are out there, the odds are not in your favor. So mm. if, if yes, I'm, I'm not genetically positive and any that, I, that I know of, of, I'm sure there's new genes out there. Cause I do have a family history, but mm. for me, I, I chose a prophylactic hysterectomy and removing my ovaries because it just, I didn't want any more places that could, you know, attract the cancer.
2: And, you know, we hear stories about that of women who just need the support of somebody telling them you're making a choice and it's okay. And even we had one African-American woman in Chicago whose mother had died of breast cancer. She found out when she was 35, she had the gene and she had breast cancer. And she was she wrote to us and said, unless I can get reconstructive surgery, I will not have a mastectomy. Oh, and We said, hold on here, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. help
1: you because you don't want to die. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why you're here. Do you have any idea of the numbers of women you've been able to help? Or do you have a a goal per year or is just however many get through in the funding?
2: It's however that get through with funding. And Mm -hmm. this year so far, we've had 67 women apply to us for grants. And last year at this time, we only had about 40. So every year it's really growing of people who are either wanting reconstructive surgery or nipple tattooing. Our goal is to be able to help about hundred women a year. I know it's a drop in the bucket when you know about the fact that there's a hundred thousand women every year who have some type of surgery related to breast cancer or a genetic mutation, but you know, we're, it's, we're raising as much money as we can. And, you know, we're trying to help as many because we, I pay for it myself. I hate to turn anybody away.
1: If there is an individual who would like to make a donation, can they do that on your website? Absolutely. They can go to our
2: website and um, make a donation. And the thing I've done recently, which is sort of a fun thing, it's a roundup program. So, you know, a lot of people really can't afford to make a big donation, but they can do roundup. So the roundup is you put your credit card information. It's all vetted. It's all private. So if, you know, something costs, $9 and 50 cents, it'll get rounded up to $10. So for somebody who can't really make a big donation and every donation counts, doing a roundup program is a really nice thing to do. So can you sign up for that on your website? Sign up for that on our website. You know, Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, I mean, we've really looked, you know, a $5 donation, a dollar donation, everything counts. It does. Everything helps us to be in a position to help as many women as we can. And, you know, I believe in smaller goals. I believe in attainable goals, because if you set a goal too high and you can't reach it, it's disappointing. So our goal is really going is really to try and help 100 women. And once we get to that goal, you know, we'll
1: stretch it and go further. I love that. Well, Morgan, unfortunately, we are out of time, but thank you so much for being here today and talking about airs. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to talk about airs and we're here to help. Perfect listeners. You can find more information, at airsfoundation.org. If you need our services at breast friends, please go to our website, breastfriends.org, where you can make a donation. If you'd like to be my guest or share your story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. You can find our show on the voice America health and wellness channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch on the breast friends, YouTube channel. We will be back next week. And until then, remember we rise by lifting each other.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.